You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a special weekend edition of the podcast. Of course, getting you guys ready for Monday night when BYU kicks off their season against Navy. We'll break down some of the news coming from yesterday. BYU announcing their team captains as well as leadership council. Also, a schedule change for the Cougars. The Cougars will now face the Cougars in Houston rather than Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo. We'll break that down for you on today's show, as well as catching up on the Player Countdown Series and making some picks for games today that are taking place on the opening weekend of college football. It's all ahead right here on a special edition of the Locked On Cougars podcast for September 5th, 2020. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you for joining us once again on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars right here with the Locked On Cougars podcast. Weekend edition begins right now. Let's start off talking about the big announcement yesterday. Actually, there were uh, two of them. Uh, BYU announcing their team captains as well as their leadership council. We're on those names here in just a moment. But the bigger news I felt like yesterday was the announcement that BYU will play their road game against Houston in Houston rather than being a home game on October 16th. Some of you may remember I referred back when BYU had announced the games against teams like UTSA and Texas State. Looking like they're going to spend the entire month of October at home. I said that there was a game in that slate that could be switched to going on the road. That was a direct reference to a source who had passed information to me about the Houston game. They didn't want me to necessarily specify Houston at that time, but hey, it's out there now, and Houston will be a road game for the Cougars. On its head, does it look like BYU is getting taken advantage of? Sure, you can absolutely believe that. I think that uh, Tom Homo probably got a call from the athletic department down there at Houston saying, well, we've got concerns about traveling to Provo, blah, 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 blah. Here's our sob story. We want you guys to come play this game in Houston. And if I'm Tom Homo, he easily could have stuck to his guns and said, no, you guys agreed to a contract where we signed a contract. You'd come here in 2020. We make the return trip in 2023. Well, I think Tom Homo understood, you know what? It's not worth losing this game and having an even worse look that 11 of your original 12 games have been taken off the schedule. So, okay, yeah, we'll do that, Houston. My only qualm with that is Tom Homo being agreeable. That's great. It builds, uh, I think, rapport with Houston that could benefit the Cougars down the road here. But the new agreement actually specifies that a return trip from Houston to Provo will be at a date to be determined later. That's problematic for me because that means that easily Houston could take advantage of the situation, play the home game that they were expecting out of this home-and-home arrangement, and then say, you know what, BYU? We don't want to play you guys anymore. That easily could happen. But I also agree with some people on social media who were saying that Tom Homo is actually being smart about this. He was saying yesterday on social media, speaking of Tom Homo, BYU's athletic director, that the Cougars are still working on plans to get fans into the stands at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. If it comes to fruition where BYU does get fans in the stands, okay, it would have been nice to have a team like Houston to kind of be your anchor for your home slate. As it stands, with that being a road game now, probably the best game on your home slate is probably Western Kentucky or Troy. I think it's probably a tie between those two. I would probably lean towards Western Kentucky. They've had a little more recent success, but 
still both of them proud Sunbelt teams. And I look at it, and yes, it's not necessarily a great situation for BYU to be in. Are they being taken advantage of a little bit? Probably. But at the same time, if you're going to have only 20% maybe of your fans in the stands at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, well, maybe it's actually better for you to play on the road this year. Take the hit that it takes for you guys to go on that road game on October 16th. And then at some point down the road, hope you get their return date when you can pack 63,000 fans into the stands at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Do I think that BYU will ever draw 63,000 fans for a Houston game? Uh, If both teams are pretty good, maybe. But I think that Tom Homo said, you know what? It's not worth having to argue and quibble and enforce a contract when it actually doesn't necessarily make the most financial sense for us to have a home game. So as it stands right now, BYU now has five home games. They have three road games. They will split up their month of October in the middle of it, Friday night on October 16th. They will travel to Houston to play against the Houston Cougars at TDECU Stadium down there. And it will be an ESPN2 game still at 7.30 Mountain Time. So all things considered, BYU, okay, I think it's a... Sucky situation all the way around. Could BYU have absolutely stuck to their guns, dug their heels in and said, you know what, Houston, you signed this contract. You're coming to Provo to play this game. Sure. But that probably would have caused some, how would you say it, hard feelings maybe from the Houston Cougars athletic director and their department towards the BYU Cougars. So I think Tom Homo sees this as an opportunity. If he can lock down Houston for a future home slate or home game, excuse me, where they come in and there's more fans in the stands and it's actually a bigger revenue boost for BYU football, you take it. But I would have liked to see BYU maybe leverage this a little bit, maybe make it a two-for-one in essence, where you get a second game in Provo from Houston and you actually lock in the dates. I understand you're doing this on the fly and all a lot of this in 2020 is unprecedented. The entire season's going to be unprecedented, I feel like. But BYU, you know what? It's probably a wash in all reality because they will likely have in the contract that there's a buyout of some sort if Houston does decide to pull some hijinks and not make that return trip to Provo. But at the same time, Tom Homo now comes off looking like a guy who can really help out a team like Houston. He's not going to stick to his guns, and he looks like the good guy in all of this. So there are both positives and negatives to all of this, but Hey, overall, I think BYU comes out in the ahead in the end, because if they can get a home game out of this at some point down the road where you make the full amount that you'd normally expect from a home game versus, yeah, maybe taking a massive cut with what 20 to 25% of your fans at best. I feel like for BYU this fall in a home game, you just move on from it. So now BYU, yes, you have the five home games, the three road games. You hope to add three or four more games to the schedule at minimum. I think they're still aiming for at least 10, maybe 12 games. And hey, who knows if that ultimately shakes out. But I look at this and there are both positives and negatives to it. But hopefully in the end, it becomes a net positive for the Cougars overall. I still think BYU should be the favorite going into that game against Dana Holgerson's team, but Houston really did punt on last year. We'll see how they look early on this year as you get ready for that game in mid-October. All right, coming up here in just a second, we need to take a minute and talk about the new team captains and leadership council for BYU. And a little bit later on, we'll continue on with the player countdown series, catch up number three and number two. Who are the best Cougars to have worn those numbers in BYU history? We'll get to all of that next right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. 
All right, guys, let's talk about BYU's team captains and their leadership council they announced yesterday. Kalani Satake, when he spoke with the media earlier this week and was asked about team captains, he said that there were eight players who had all received around the same amount of votes and he was having a hard time deliberating and figuring out how you would differentiate team captains from one another. Well, obviously BYU did that in some form or fashion. And Kalani Satake announced yesterday that eight players will serve as 2020 team captains. He also announced that eight other players will join the captains to serve as the leadership council for the football team this fall. On offense, senior tight end Matt Bushman, who was lost for the season, junior running back Lopini Katoa, and junior offensive lineman, offensive lineman Brady Christensen and James Empey were named team captains. On the defensive side of things, senior defensive lineman Kyrus Tonga, senior linebacker Isaiah Kafusi, and senior defensive backs Troy Warner and Zane Anderson are the other captains. I think all eight of them very much deserving. All of them good players, with one notable exception. Zach Wilson is not a team captain. A lot of times the quarterback, the starting quarterback, is named a team captain, particularly if they're a junior. I don't necessarily know if we need to read into that too much, but it is a little bit surprising that Zach Wilson was not named as a team captain. Though Wilson will be part of the leadership council, the eight additional players named uh, to, to join the captains on the team's leadership council include senior defensive back Chris Wilcox, senior defensive lineman Bracken Bakri, Zach Wilson, as we just mentioned, Gunnar Romney, a wide receiver, Neil Pau, a wide receiver, Lorenzo Fawatea, a defensive lineman, Baylor Romney, another quarterback, and Peyton Wilgar, a linebacker. I think all 16 of these players have significant roles on this BYU football program, and all of them will be called upon to really step forward and help out the BYU program as a whole. A guy like Matt Bushman, now being lost for the entire season, his role's diminished because he's not able to be that on-field presence that he has been for the past three years, but this is still a guy who commands the respects, respect excuse me, of his teammates. He's going to have to go out there and really show these guys, you know what, on film, I want you guys to do this. He has the ability, I think, to kind of be that off-the-field mentor to some of these younger players. The other 15 players on this roster right now are all guys who are being expected to contribute on the field this fall. Chris Wilcox, I can tell you guys this much, he has not practiced in a team scenario the entirety of fall camp. If he did, it was early on in fall camp when maybe pads weren't necessarily on all the way. And he is not expected to play in this game against Navy. I have no idea what to say about his availability at some point down the road here. But still, all of these players, all of them have significant roles on this BYU football program. And I think all 16 of them will be sure to be part of the decision-making process for Kalani Satake, however they approach this season. But I do like the fact that there's eight captains now. BYU has eight games. Why not send one player from each of the captains out for the coin toss this year? The new rules are that only one player goes out for the coin toss. Well, as it stands, BYU's only got eight games. So guess what? You guys cast your lots. You guys pick your game that you're going to be the team captain for, and then you go out there and make the call. I think it would be a fan way, f- fantastic way to divvy things up, let these players take on more of a responsibility. And Kalani's always said he wants to have a player-run program. He wants these players to take ownership of the BYU football program. I think this is a great way to go about it. BYU's getting ready for this game Monday night. All these players are all looking forward to the matchup coming up, and I'm excited to see what BYU does. I do wonder how BYU will handle the travel. You're, of course, going back to the East Coast. We'll do that twice within the first three weeks of the season as you go also to Army uh, 12 days after this game 
against Navy, but I still think BYU has got the upperclassmen, the ability to absorb this and get ready for a game. I do wonder also about the tra- the traveling a day before. Kalani Satake talked about that earlier on this week and said, you know what, the science we've looked into, traveling west to east is actually easier than east to west. And then they felt like, you know what, if we fly out early Sunday morning, have a late night game out there on the east coast, it's the 6 o'clock body clock time game on Monday night against the Naval Academy, he feels like BYU is going to be just fine. Of course, if it shows that BYU is sluggish in this game, you can guarantee that some BYU fans are probably going to look at this and point to that as a reason why they lost the game. But I think overall, BYU is approaching things from a very smart standpoint. A lot of senior leadership on this team. And I'm excited to see BYU in action. I think this is a team that's really, really excited to be playing football. They've been all been upbeat in, so, in all of their social media posts. They've been upbeat in the media sessions with the media this week. I think everything is trending up for BYU right now. Now, will they go out and win this game? That's to be determined. I really do think this might be the toughest game on BYU's schedule. The Naval Academy was a ranked team a year ago. They won 10 games. Kenny Amatololo has a good thing going there in Annapolis. And you can guarantee he's not going to be like, oh, BYU's a bunch of good guys. We're going to just go out there and give it the old college try. No, they're going out there to win a game. The Naval Academy... They're a college football program that's just as prideful as BYU, and they want nothing more than to send the Cougars home, losers, and say, you know what, thanks for coming, but get back to Provo. We'll see what happens, but I look forward to this game. I think that all 16 of these players we just mentioned, the team captains as well as those named to the leadership council for the BYU football program, they will all have their say in different things this year. The biggest thing for all these players I think they need to do is be leading by example. I think all of them that we listed earlier on, guys like Matt Bushman, Chris Wilcox, Zach Wilson, uh, Lorenzo Fawatea, Kairos Tonga, a lot of them are happy to talk the talk, and they're also walking the walk. That's the biggest thing when it comes to having a leadership position in a college football program is your willingness to put in the work, put in the extra effort, be that leader both on and off the field. You can't be a guy who just sits back and says, do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't happen. That doesn't work in college football. Guys recognize that, and it causes problems. I think that the picks here with these leadership council nominees as well as the team captains are all guys who very much, yeah, they'll talk the talk if the need be, but they are also out there walking the walk. So as soon as somebody says, well, what about this? Well, I've done it here, so this is why you should do it. So I think that's what the positive news for this from in terms of BYU they have senior leadership. They got juniors and seniors populating the roster up and down it. This should be a good year for the Cougars in terms of the talent base, the experience factor, etc. And I couldn't be more excited to have this game just two days away. So a lot to get to, obviously, as we continue to break things down as we get closer and closer to this game. And it's going to be a lot of fun, folks. I hope you guys are ex- as excited as I am for this game. I just look at this and you know what? The fact that football is this near after a summer where it seemed like one day football is not going to happen. The next day football is going to happen almost week by week. We just felt like you probably can go back and listen to these podcasts. I'm probably super depressed one week. The next week I'm all geek thinking, hey, football's on its way. Well, guess what? Football is on its way, and that is the positive news out of all of this. BYU's ready to go. 
I'm ready to go. I'm sure you guys are ready to go. We'll have more of an in-depth look for you guys on tomorrow's podcast. We're doing a Sunday edition. We're doing a Monday edition. We're going to have a super-sized preview getting you ready for BYU and Navy on Monday night. Coming up here in just a minute, though, we'll wrap up today's podcast with a catch-up on our player countdown series. We didn't get to number three yesterday. We'll get to number two as well. So who are the best Cougars to have worn those two numbers? Well, there's plenty of basketball and football stars who would like to lay claim to that. We'll let you guys know who the fans voted for as well as my pick coming up here in just a moment. A reminder for you guys real quick, though, make sure to rate and review the podcast that you're listening to right now. We appreciate your guys' support. It's an absolute privilege to be with you guys every day. Our download numbers early on this month have been through the roof as we get closer and closer to kickoff between BYU and Navy. But you guys can continue to support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. People really like the podcast. The reviews have been great. And I would encourage you guys, if you haven't done so already, leave us a rating and review. Those five-star ratings, especially on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, they are extremely important for our viability as a podcast. So make sure you leave those ratings and reviews. And a big thank you in advance for your continued support of the Locked On Cougars podcast. Who are the best Cougars to have worn the number three and the number two in BYU uniforms? Well, we throw those up on social media, obviously, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Cougars, where we put these polls up. We've done this for the past hundred days. It's crazy to think we're at the very tail end of all of this. It has been a wild wild summer and any of you who have been with us the entirety of the summer a big thank you first off for your continued support of the show but you guys know how crazy this summer was it really was just one of up down up down it was a roller coaster of emotions but the nice part is football is here it is here to save the day and i know that means a very it sounds almost inappropriate in a way but it is an opportunity for life to feel a little bit normal having college football on our tv so i hope you guys are enjoying games today whenever you're listening to this podcast if it's late in the day maybe the games are already done but hey football is here it's exciting it's been a blast to be talking about it and guess what i am super excited to see what happens but let's get to the best cougars to have worn the number three and the number two in byu history we'll start off with number three here the catch-up from yesterday and we had two finalists i felt like were huge favorites as well as two other standouts who i understand probably are going to fall behind the two other guys but our finalists here were former byu guard all-time leading scorer tyler hawes former byu running back fahu tahi former byu four Keena Young, a Mountain West Conference Player of the Year, and former BYU linebacker Kyle Van Noy. And as you would expect, Tyler Hawes and Van Noy were the two favorites, but Van Noy ran away in a rout with the fan vote. 71.9% of the vote going in favor of the former BYU standout linebacker, now a member of the Miami Dolphins, the $50 million man. Tyler Hawes, 23.6%, finishing in second place. Keeney Young with 3.4%, and Fahu Tahi with just 1.1%. Kyle Van Noy running away with the fan vote here. And my decision, I went back and forth on this because both of these guys have big-time claims to the best Cougar to have won this number. If we're just going on the thrill factor... Kyle Van Noy has that moment. He has those moments. Of course, the poinsettia bowl, the Ole Miss game in 2011. The things he did in a BYU uniform as a defensive player who didn't touch the ball all that much, folks. He never played offense, but his ability to single-handedly win games like he did in the poinsettia bowl against San Diego State, the thrill factor alone, Kyle Van Noy wins that. But Tyler Hawes, to his credit, was ever 
the consistent star for the BYU men's basketball program when he suited up for the Cougars. A guy you could count on to go for, what, 20 points a night, 25 points a night, and it wasn't flashy. It was a lot of mid-range jumpers and a lot of just fundamental basketball, but Tyler Hawes, man, there's a reason why his records still are up there in the record books for BYU. So I went back and forth on this, and you know what? I lean more towards guys who are football standouts, who I saw with my own eyes that did things that were incredible. So my pick, I'm going with the fans today, Kyle Van Noy. And I feel bad picking against, against a guy excuse me, like Tyler Hawes, but Kyle Van Noy, man, what he did in a BYU uniform, his ability to affect a game as a player who did not touch the ball on every down like a quarterback was unparalleled. That's what Kyle Van Noy has brought to the table. Of course, he's gone on to have great success in the NFL. Two Super Bowl titles with the New England Patriots. Now signing a $50 million deal to go play for the Miami Dolphins. Kyle Van Noy is living the life, and good for him. Uh, he's made good on a lot of bets that, uh, that he made on himself. But also, his career in a BYU uniform almost didn't come to fruition due to a DUI. Actually, two DUIs, if I recall correctly, that almost nixed his chances of playing at BYU before it began. He spent a year out of football, then came to BYU, really had to earn the respect of Bronco Mendenhall. But Van Noy went on to be an absolute star for the Cougars. And like I said, his ability to single-handedly win games, it felt like, despite not being an offensive player who touched the ball all the time, was just unparalleled. So Kyle Van Noy, an easy pick as the best Cougar to have worn the number three in BYU history. Now on to number two, our finalists in this group, some great ones as well. Former BYU guard Travis Hansen, former BYU softball star Gordy Bravo, former BYU wide receiver Cody Hoffman, and former BYU defensive back who just recently graduated, Austin Lee. And as you would expect, the two standouts, Cody Hoffman and Travis Hansen, went head-to-head in this. And Cody Hoffman, with 53.3% of the vote, takes the fan vote. Travis Hansen, shortly thereafter, 40.2% in second place. Uh, Austin Lee, 4.3%. And Gordy Bravo, a former West Coast Conference Player of the Year, and what, all WCC for at least three years of her career, maybe four in last place with 2.2%. And our good friend, uh, we had some good friends talk about this, and I don't blame him at all. And that's our good friend Tyler Statton. He said, okay, there are too many 16-year-olds that never saw Travis Hansen play. And you're absolutely right, Tyler Statton. Uh, that's the thing. Travis Hansen, I like to call him Slim Shady because, of course, he had that uh, nice blonde do when he was playing for BYU. There was not a tougher or more happy-to-trash-talk dude than Travis Hansen when he played for the BYU men's basketball program. Travis Hansen was a hero to me. He played at my high school, Mountain View High School in Orem, went to UVU for a year, and then transferred to BYU, went on to be an all-Mountain West Conference performer, and like I said... He was just the guy who you hated to have playing against you, but you loved having him on your team. He was a trash talker extraordinaire and would back it up by burying a three in your eye. Travis Hansen is the best Cougar to warn the number two. Sorry, all of you who picked Cody Hoffman. I get that Cody Hoffman has the records in BYU football as the greatest receiver statistically to play for the Cougars, but you know what? He's not the best wide receiver to have played for BYU. He has a lot of stats. I'll give him that. But Austin Cauley is a better receiver than Cody Hoffman. That's nothing against Cody Hoffman. He's a top 10 player in BYU history, I feel like. But he's not the best at his position. Travis Hansen, on the other hand, he's right up there. Some of the best, maybe the best guard in BYU history. Of course, we just talked about Tyler Hawes has the scoring record. But I'm telling you what, Travis Hansen is the consummate bulldog 
player who you always wanted to play with on your team and you played against him, it sucked. He would talk trash all night long. You're just getting annoyed and more annoyed and more annoyed. And guess what? You couldn't shut him up because he just kept hitting threes and dunking on you. Travis Hansen is the best cougar to warn the number two. Deal with it. Uh, and that's kind of my thing with Travis Hansen. He was just a guy who just loved the competition, would be happy to bark at anybody. And Travis Hansen, just an absolute hero of mine, and now doing a lot of great things here in Utah, obviously having played a long career overseas in basketball. All right, so that'll do it for today's edition of the show. Actually, one more thing before we go on today's show, and something I'm going to do actually throughout this fall. I don't get an opportunity a lot to talk about other college football games and what's going on in college football. But you know what? I have this podcast. We like college football. It's what we talk about mainly here on this show. So let's talk about some of the games that are happening this weekend. Uh, some of these games may under, be underway by the time you hear this podcast, but let's make some picks. I'm going to call it my six-pack. Uh, and those are going to be... Mostly the games this week are uh, not great. There's a bunch of G5 programs in action, but we've got... Games like Eastern Kentucky Marshall. Well, that's an FCS team versus an FBS team. You take Marshall in that situation. But let's make some picks real quick here as we look towards uh, the weekend. So first off, Eastern Kentucky Marshall. Give me the thundering herd. Interesting game here, though. Middle Tennessee going to face against Army. This is an opportunity for BYU fans. If you want to learn more about what Army brings to the table, you may want to tune into this game. 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time on the CBS Sports Network. Army is a three and a half point favorite. Give me Army plus the points here. I really do feel like the midshipmen, not the midshipmen, the, the cadets, the Black Knights are a better team than Middle Tennessee, but don't sleep on the Blue Raiders. They're a good team. I just don't think the Army's probably a little bit better in this situation. In my opinion, on Saturday, there are two games that probably qualify for quote-unquote game of the day, and they're both of them aren't that exciting. First one, SMU travels to Texas State. Also another opportunity for BYU fans if you want to scout a future BYU opponent with the Bobcats hosting SMU. SMU is going to roll it here. SMU is a 22.5 point favorite based on the line I'm seeing. Give me SMU covering those points. SMU is a very good team. Shane Bouchelle, the transfer from Texas, their quarterback there at SMU, and Sonny Dykes doing some great things in year one with SMU. I expect that to roll on, and they should roll in San Marcos. On to Houston Baptist against North Texas. Give me UNT, a Houston Baptist, an FCS program who's kind of been a bottom feeder. I expect North Texas should roll in this one. And then the co-game of the night or co-game of the day, I guess I should say, is Arkansas State at Memphis. This is an interesting matchup because Arkansas State's been a very proud Sunbelt team who's had some good years recently. Memphis, on the other hand, has been the class of the American Athletic Conference for the past few years. Just lost their head coach. We'll see what they do for an encore here. But there's a big, huge line here for Memphis. 18 and a half points, the favorite for Memphis. I'm actually going to take Arkansas State to cover that. I feel like Arkansas State is maybe two touchdowns worse than Memphis. I don't think they're over three touchdowns. So 18 and a half points just seems too much for me. So give me Arkansas State against the points. And one final note for you guys, Stephen F. Austin against UTEP. This is an interesting game. Dana Dimmel's trying to get UTEP up off the map. Uh, off the mat, excuse me. They have been a bottom feeder among the worst of the FBS level for a long time. Could the Lumberjacks spring our first FCS upset of the season? Well, if it's going to happen, if there's going to be an FCS upset this weekend, it's going to be the Lumberjacks taking down the Miners. 
I don't think it will happen, but keep an eye out for Stephen F. Austin as they head to El Paso to face off against the UTEP Miners. Should be an interesting one there, but I'll take the Miners to win, albeit in a nail-biter. All right, there you go, my picks for Saturday. Enjoy the games, guys, and get ready for BYU. I have another podcast tomorrow. We'll do more of a specified preview edition. We're going to spread out over two days. Look more at BYU's offense, their strengths versus Navy's defense and vice versa. And then also heading into Monday, getting you ready, BYU's defense versus Navy's offense. We will have you guys very well versed on everything going on with the Naval Academy as BYU gets ready to take them on Monday night. So get ready for all of that. Another edition coming your way tomorrow and of course back to full editions on Monday. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll be back with you guys again tomorrow. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for September 5th, 2020. We'll catch you guys manana.